It was like that introduction, hello love, hello peace, hello joy. It was that introduction that just changed everything. And for him, he said then he, because then he laughed, instead of crying, he started laughing. That joy came over him and it, it just changed everything. So I was talking to this person who was an alcoholic and they drank every day and they were dependent upon that. And, and that was their life and that's what they did. And then one day they just stopped. And I said, so what changed? How did that happen that you could just decide to stop? And they said, well, I just asked the Lord. I just said, this, this is uh, not how I want my life to go. I'm tired of this life. And will you help me? And all of a sudden, that desire was gone. It was gone. And they never went back. It was done. They were done with that. And they moved on with Jesus. How wonderful is that? Just in a moment that we can say, hello, love, hello, joy, hello, peace. It's a new horizon. You know, that's what he offers us. So anyway, while I was standing there, I just thought about that. You know, we can say that. We can say, I'm done with that. I'm going with him. And the anointing is right there to meet us. It's right there. All we have to do is just reach up and grab it and move on with him. Oh, man. He's so good. He's so good. Oh, yay. Well, God's doing good things in these days, I'll tell you. There's people that are, that are turning to him that are being delivered like that. That are instantly, their life is changing. It's an introduction into a whole new life. A new horizon. Yes. Oh, man. Good, good, good. Well, good. I'm glad we sang that again. <laughs> Yay. Well, we can let all of our youth go on to, the, um, to their meeting. We don't want to keep them too long. And then uh, we'll go ahead and receive our tithes and offerings. And we will um, get into talking about the power of a testimony tonight. Talking about why we want to share our testimonies. God's so good. He loves us so much. He just wants the best for us. He's always thinking of the best for you. You know that? He just loves us so much. Oh, it's awesome. So we're going to go ahead and receive our evening tithes and offerings. And if you're um, giving, there are different ways that you can give. Um, you can text give to our number there. You can also... Um, I have a hard time reading this font. I don't know why. Use the Give Tile on the NCC app, and the, or you can mail it. <laughs> that always cracks me up. I'm not going to diss on the mail, though, because all of our ladies that work at the post office called me out on it and said, really? <laughs> We're working as hard as we can, so I know. <laughs> anyway... Um, let's go ahead and pray over that offering and over the word, and then we will get started. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to give. We thank you, Lord, 
that we are blessed, and we're blessed so that we can be a blessing. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've let us participate in. It's such a joy and such an honor to be able to be in your kingdom and to sow and to, to know, Father, that as we do, that uh, all of these, these things are happening because of our giving. We see so many things going on around us and things that the church is doing that, that we're able to do because of our giving. Father, we pray a blessing on all those who give. We thank you for the generosity of heart. We thank you, Father God, that we're taking uh, the word serious when we give, Father. We're counting that, that you, you, Father, receive our offering and that we're blessed as we do. And Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. In the name of Jesus, we pronounce a blessing over this uh, gift and the giver. And Father, we just thank you for the word that's coming forth tonight. It's powerful, it's full, it's rich. It will minister to us. It'll cause us, Father, to recognize and realize uh, things that we do are so very important. And so we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we'll pass those buckets and we'll get started. Um, we're talking tonight about why we want to share our testimony. So I know this may seem like really basic, and it might seem, but it's really important. You know, when Jim Hockaday was here, um, he said, we were talking about the ministry, and, and he was saying there's so many different things going on. So many people are getting healed. There's a lot of things happening, and it's really wonderful. But he said, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's really hard to get people to share their testimony. He said, yeah, we know. <laughs> Who, who would say, I feel really comfortable sharing a testimony or my testimony about how I got saved? Who would raise your hand and say that? Keep, keep it up. I feel really comfortable about sharing a testimony or my testimony. Okay, good. So it's at least maybe half, maybe half. So, so that means the rest of us, we need a little work <laughs> to get comfortable. So he was saying that, um, that uh, it was really hard to get people to do that. And, I, and he said, is it a Colorado thing? <laughs> I said, I think it's a people thing. I just think that you know some people are really comfortable and some aren't. Because some people are shy. Some people don't want to stand up and, and talk. Or some people don't want to draw attention to themselves. Um, some people actually think that if I share my testimony, I'll come under attack. And I may not have my testimony anymore. And so they don't share it, but that's not true. When we don't share our testimony, we're not giving God the glory uh, for our testimony. So I just wanted to share a couple thoughts about it. And um, when we were talking about that with Jim and Aaron, uh, we said, well, maybe we should talk about it sometime, why it's so important, why it's so important that we do that. So uh, this is the night. <laughs> All right, so Matthew 13, 10, out of the Message Bible. We're going to go there first. Uh, a testimony is just a story. It's a story about what God did for you. It's your story. And uh, it's, it's something that nobody can take from you. Your testimony is your testimony. So Jesus used stories a lot. He spoke to people in stories. And so in the Message Bible, I love how it says this in Matthew 13, 10. It's called A Harvest Story. Um, and the, the subtitle above it, it says, Stories Speak to a Ready Heart. And uh, this is what it says. At about the same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. In no, time in, all, in no time at all, the crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into the boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed the congregation, telling stories. Now, we know it as parables, 
But what were parables? They were stories, right? They were stories. And so it says he started telling stories. What do you make of this? A farmer planted a seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road. Some birds ate it. Some fell on the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. And so when the sun came up, it uh, withered just as quickly. Some fell on the weeds as it came up. It was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth and produced the harvest beyond its wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening? And then his disciples began to question him. Why tell stories? The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? And he replied, you've been giving insight. You've been given insight to God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It has been given to them whenever someone has a ready heart for this. The insights and understanding will flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge people forward to a welcome awakening. I love that. Why did Jesus tell stories? To nudge people's heart, to move them. It's, it's really a way that he got into people's lives and hearts. And then he said this, in their present state, they can stare until doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. But you have God-given blessed eyes, eyes that see, God-blessed ears, ears that hear. A lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you're seeing and to hear what you're hearing but never had a chance. So Jesus used stories so that people would have a chance. Their heart could grab something, and really the stories do that. So number one, reason why we share our testimony, because it's your story. That's why. It's your story. And you know what? People love stories. That's why we go to movies. That's why we read books. That's why we watch a series on TV, because we want to follow the story. People love stories. So your story is important. Stories connect to people's hearts, and they see things from a new perspective. So your personal story is what God has done for you, and your personal story will open people's hearts. In the same way that Jesus taught stories, your story will open people's hearts. So here's the thing about a testimony. When a testimony comes, nobody can argue with a testimony. You can talk the word, you can bring a scripture, you can, they can debate it, they can say, I believe that or I don't believe that. But when you bring your story about what God did, nobody can argue with that. They either believe it or they don't believe it. But you're sharing something that God did and it was powerful. So your story is important. Well, go with me over to John 9, 11. John 9, 11. So in John, oops, 9, 11, it says this. He replied, the man called Jesus made mud, and he smeared it on my eyes, and he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I obtained my sight. Now this is the man who uh, Jesus healed his eyes, and he's telling the story. This is his testimony. And it says, then he asked him, where, they asked him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. And then they conduct, 
conducted to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was on the Sabbath day that Jesus mixed the mud and opened the man's eyes. So this is what they're so upset about. This happened on the Sabbath. So now again the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he smeared mud on my eyes, like I already told you. He smeared mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. And then some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God because he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner, a bad man, do such signs and miracles? So there was a difference of opinion among them. What are they uh, debating about? Oh, the law. But they're not refuting the story. Do you notice that? They're not refuting the testimony. Why? Because they can't. That's what happened. And then it goes on. It says, Accordingly, they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him, seeing that he opened your eyes? <laughs> and he said, He is, he must be a prophet. However, the Jews did not believe that he had really been blind and that he really received his sight until they called and summoned the parents of the man. And they asked them, is this your son whom you reported as having been born blind? How then does he see now? <laughs> and his parents answered, we know that this is our son. This story just cracks me up. <laughs> we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Like we've lived with him this whole time. But <laughs> as to how he can now see, we do not know. Or to how his eyes were opened, we don't know. He is of age, so ask him and let him speak for himself and give his own account of it. And his parents said because this because they feared the leaders of the Jews. And the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should acknowledge Jesus to be the Christ, that they should be expelled and excluded from the synagogue. On that account, his parents said that he is of age, ask him. So they a second time, which in my counting, it's the third time. They, they summoned the man who had been born blind and they said to him, now give God the glory, praise. This fellow we know is a sinner, a wicked person. Then he answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner or wicked or not, but the one thing I do know is that whereas I was blind before, and now I see. Don't you love that? That's his testimony. And his testimony is his story and he's sticking to it. Because that's what happened. That's what God did. So a testimony cannot be argued with. So some people get all caught up in arguing scripture and we think that's going to make a big difference. But Jesus said, let's tell stories. Because stories open the heart. Because stories do something. Stories can move people. And so you can argue the validity of the Bible or, or, you know, all of that, but you can't argue with someone's story. And I love that. It's in the Word. So what is a testimony? Well, the Webster's Dictionary uh, defines a testimony many different ways, but this is the one I like. It's a firsthand authentication as a fact. Firsthand authentication of a fact. So it's my story, I'm telling you the facts, this is what happened, this is what he did. So number two, reason why we share our testimony is because our testimony brings God glory. So we're not glorifying the struggle, we're not glorifying God in the struggle, what we're doing is we're talking about how we came out of the struggle and we're bringing forth how God made us whole, he made us more than a conqueror, how his word is true, 
how his power was available, all of those things. That's what the testimony is. So when we share, we want to make sure that we're sharing the glorious part of the testimony. So his promises are true and they're working today. That's what really people should get from our testimony. Um, we give honor and praise to him when we're sharing what he has done in our life. And essentially, we are getting to brag on Jesus. We're getting to say, he is awesome. He is wonderful. He did this and he'll do it for you. So Psalm 9.1 says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth and recount and tell out loud all of your marvelous works and wonderful deeds. I will rejoice in you. I will be in high spirits. I will sing praise to your name, Most High. So I love that. He says, I'm going to recount. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to recount it. And that means we're going to say it over and over again. There's so much power in our testimony. Um, I had a time recently when I was believing God for some things, and so I made a list. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to my own testimony, and I'm going to make a list of all the things that I can remember that he has done in my life and in my kids' lives. And I had a list, and it was awesome, and it encouraged me, and it made me look and give glory to God all over again. And then uh, in the midst of that, it strengthened my faith. So my faith was like, you know what? This isn't that bad. This isn't as bad as that was, and he did that. So we can strengthen ourselves, and we give glory to God. Our testimony gives glory to God. So number three, reason why we share our testimony is that it demonstrates God's power. The term testimony is taken from the Hebrew word eduth. I think that's how you say it. I'm not totally sure. It's E-D-U-T-H. And the word literally means do it again. Don't you love that? I can see you nodding. A lot of you know that. It means do it again. When we share our testimony, it means do it again, God. And here's the wonderful thing. In fact, one person said it this way. They said, testimonies birth testimonies. Well, I love that. Testimonies birth testimonies. And have you ever been in a room where you started talking about something God did? And so you start saying that God did this, and then it sparks something in somebody. And they're like, you know what? God did something similar to that in our family. He did this. And then somebody else goes, that's very cool. He healed that. You know what? He healed me too. And then it starts this whole conversation around what God is doing. I love that. It brings him glory, but it also demonstrates God's power. Because now, because testimony is derived from this Hebrew word eduth, which means do it again, there is actually an anointing that's on your testimony and the same power that was available to you when you needed him and he came through for you comes through on the words of your testimony. And now there is actually a, a push to do it again for someone else. When we tell the testimony, the same power for the breakthrough in our life is now accessed and available for the person we're talking to. So that's pretty cool. That means everywhere that I tell my testimony, God's able to work in it, God's able to move in it, and God's able to do it again. <laughs> Literally, do it again. So when I talk about my healing, it inspires somebody to believe for healing, and God does it again. When I talk about how he came through for me in a financial way, well, it inspires somebody to believe him, and God's able to do it again. Yes, right. I love that. He can do it again. So our testimony demonstrates God's power. 
Go with me over to John 4, 39. This is a really beautiful story, and it illustrates this point um, of the woman at the well. The woman at the well, we know the whole story. Jesus came to her, and he revealed to her that he was the truth, and she received him, and her life was so touched. This woman who was at the well at noonday when no one else was there, seemed as though she was there to avoid people, now went running into the town to tell people about Jesus because he spoke to her. He spoke to her heart. And so now the same power that was available to deliver her life and really change her life is now available to all of those people. So God is actually literally doing it again in their life. So in John 4.39, it says this. It says, uh, Now numerous Samaritans from that town believed in and trusted in him because of what the woman said. When she declared and testified, he told me everything I ever did. Well, she said, he must be a prophet. And, and really, she was revealed that he was the son of God. So now it says she's testifying, and it says that numerous Samaritans from the town are believing because of her testimony. So then it goes on and it says, so when the Samaritans arrived, they asked him to remain with them and he did stay there for two days and many more believed in and adhered to and relied on him because of his personal message, what he himself said. And they told the woman, now we no longer believe and trust and have faith just because of what you said, for we have heard him ourselves personally and we know that he truly is the savior of the world, the Christ. Don't you love that? It's, it's the same thing. God was able to do something in her life, and he was able to do it again in their life because of her testimony. That's what started the whole movement through her city. He stayed there. He ministered to them. They received him. And it was this testimony that started a whole movement in her town. I love that. So God was able to do it again. So the same truth, the same revelation, the same freedom that came to the woman at the well came to the people who she told the testimony because God's in the business of doing it again. <laughs> he does. That's how he works. So uh, number four, our testimony demonstrates the love of God. God is for us. God's love chased us down. That's why we have a testimony. God's love overtook us in one way or another way. You know, healing is his love overtaking us and healing our body. When he provides for us because we have a need, it's his love overtaking us. All of those different things are his love. So our testimony is proof of that, that, that God's love uh, overtook us. But when we experience something that is very difficult and hard in our life, like illness or like addiction or like abuse, there's a cycle that starts, a cycle of shame, a cycle where people start to feel like, am I even worthy? When we tell our testimony of how God met us in those times, they start to see the love of God that was poured out to us. And when they see the love of God that was poured out to us and we share with them that same love, God loves you with that same love, well, now they're able to receive something and it stops the cycle of shame that the enemy has brought. So our testimony is super powerful. 
So I got a text this weekend from um, Leslie and Junior. They went to New Mexico this weekend and they were sharing their testimony. So their testimony is really powerful. God delivered them out of a lot of different things because of his love for them. Well, in the text that she sent, she said 32 people got saved as a result of us sharing our testimony. Don't you love that? That's awesome. 32 people got ministered to and saved because the love that was shown to Leslie and Junior now was communicated and people received that and they received the Lord because that's his love. He wants to reach us in every part of our life. So our testimony really ministers to people and it lets people know that God's love is available to them. It demonstrates God's love. And where we thought maybe we were too far gone, too, too distant from him, that uh, maybe our choices or we're reaping consequences of our choices, now people start to see, no, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. Because God's in the business of doing it again, doing it again. So Matthew 8, 1 it says this, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, great throngs followed him. And behold, a leper came to him, and prostrating himself, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cleanse me by curing me. And he reached out his hand, and he touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed and be cured, and instantly his leprosy was cured and cleansed. See, that's the love of God that reached out, that touched him in the midst of his circumstance. He said, Lord, are you even willing? And God said, I am willing. Jesus said, I am willing. I'm willing. But you know that expressed his heart, and his heart has not changed. His heart has not changed. In fact, anything that we're dealing with, he is willing to touch us, to make our life whole. That's why he came. So I love that story. And uh, his willing heart comes through our testimony. It's a demonstration of God's love. Sharing our testimony opens God's heart on the whole thing. And now they see, well, God did it for them. Maybe he'll do it for me too. And the truth is, he will do it for you. So number five, your testimony tells others that you're not alone. Uh, we're all going through life together. We're human. We make mistakes. God helps us through mistakes. We go through hard things. We have attacks of the enemy. It's so important to surround ourselves with people who are loving God, believing God, believing with us, standing with us so that we can see testimonies who we're accountable to, who will encourage us, who will stand with us, who will literally say, like, I'm fighting with you through this. And those, in those situations where we know we're not alone and we know somebody else went through this difficult thing just like I did and God stood with them and they're standing with me, now we feel like we are not alone. And, you know, part of the thing is we are the body and God wants us to know that we're not alone. We are many members and we're a community that really help each other to stand up. I've told this story before, but when we flew into the Netherlands, we saw fields and fields of tulips. It was so beautiful. And all those tulips were like standing up straight and beautiful and tall and their heads were up high. And, uh, you know, they were straight. And even when you saw them in the, in the store, they were straight tulips. They weren't like all slumped over. And I thought, well, that's really weird. Like my tulips at home, 
I have a few, and they just always just fall over. <laughs> they don't stand up straight and tall. And they told me, they said, for tulips to stand up tall, they have to all be grouped together. They have to be together so they add support to one another. So my tulips, they were just like kind of, you know, I was trying to make the most of my bulbs. So I put one here, one here, one there, and you know, I mean, they were not together. So the thing was, they were open for all kinds of wind and elements and all of that, and they would just fall over and blow over, even because the weight of their own head <laughs> was too much. So they couldn't stand up. You know, sometimes in the body, the weight of our own head is too much. And we need other people to help us. We need other people to stand with us. So anyway, uh, our testimony uh, really tells others that you're not alone. Go with me over to Acts 4.23. Acts 4.23. Oops, it's the other way. Acts 4.23, and uh, we know this story. Uh, that Peter and John went to pray. You, you know the old little kid's song? Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on their way. He asked for alms and held out his palms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So that all happened in the, earlier in the story. <laughs> and so then in verse 23, then they got held, you know, taken into custody for praying for him. And in verse 23, it says, after they were permitted to go, the apostles returned to their own company. They had a company to go back to. And they told all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together with a united mind to God and said, O sovereign Lord, you are he who made all of the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them, who by the mouth of your, our forefather David, your servant and child, said through the Holy Spirit, why did the heathen, the Gentiles, become wanton and insolent and rage and the people imagine and study a vain, fruitless thing that will not succeed. The kings of the earth took their stand, their array for attack, and the rulers were assembled and combined together against the Lord and against the anointed. For in this city they're actually met and plotted together against your holy child, servant Jesus, whom you consecrated by anointing both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to carry out all that your hand and your will pur purpose and predestined and predetermined should occur. And now, Lord, observe their threats and grant to your bondservants full freedom to declare your message fearlessly. Oh, my. You know, they told him not to preach. They told him not to talk about Jesus anymore. And they, and they said, grant us boldness so that we can even have a greater testimony. And then they said, while you stretch out your hand to cure and perform signs and wonders through the authority and by the power of the name of your holy child and servant, Jesus. 
And when they had prayed, the place which they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. Now the company of believers was of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that he had anything which he possessed exclusively that was his own, but everything they had was in common for the use of all. And the great strength and ability and power of the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace and loving kindness and favor and goodwill rested richly upon them all. So you know I love that. There was a place they could come to that surrounded them, that encouraged them, that built them so that they could continue in the testimony. So your testimony tells others you're not alone and when you're part of a company, your testimony is strengthened and encouraged. And it said this, it said that great grace was upon them, loving kindness, favor, and goodwill rested richly upon them all. Why? Because when uh, you have one testimony, it births another testimony, and strength was coming because they strengthened one another. So here's number six. God doesn't want us to forget what he did. God doesn't want us to forget what he did. And you know what I did in making a list? Helped me so much because I was remembering and rehearsing his benefits, rehearsing what he had done. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 tells us this. I'm going to read it out of the New King James. It says, praise the Lord for his mercies. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So in all of our tests and trials and bad days, it's really easy to focus and let that be the, the place where we tend to go and talk about those things. And God has really been arresting me lately that I have got to retrain my focus to not talk about all of the bad things, not talk about the one thing that happened today. You know, when Mark comes home, uh, not from his trip, when he comes home from work and, and he says, how was your day? And I go, oh, well, this happened. You know, I mean, to retrain myself, to start saying, well, you know what? This good thing happened. Oh, yeah, and this other good thing happened, and this happened before I even start on anything else. Start with his benefits. Start with his blessings. Start with that. It's retraining our thinking. God doesn't want us to forget what he did, but we'll be testimony-minded if we do that. You know, sometimes when people say, does anyone have a testimony? And we're like, no, I, I just had a bad day. <laughs> Well, something happened. God did something. We ought to be able to identify something. <laughs> but we got to retrain ourselves. We've got to train ourselves toward gratitude. We've got to train ourselves toward looking for the testimony. So that becomes the focus of our conversation instead of the bad thing. But the truth is, it's easier to talk about the negative thing because the negative thing sticks with us. In fact, I can't remember the number, but we have to say the good thing so many more times for it to create a lasting core memory than the bad thing. So we need to do that, and we need to repeat and rehearse our testimony. 
We need to remember what God did for us, and it's part of stirring ourselves up. You know, Paul told Timothy that in 2 Timothy uh, 1, 5 through 7. Let's go over there. Let's just go over there. 2 Timothy. And I'm trying to leave just a little bit of time here so we can give a testimony. So be thinking if you got a testimony about what God would have you to share. All right, so 2 Timothy 1, 5 says this, I am calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith, the leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, a faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am fully persuaded dwells in you also. See, I think that's such a beautiful testimony that Paul could say, there's something that happened in your home. It started with your grandmother, and it went to your mother, and it went to you. There's an unqualified faith. There's something about you guys. You trust God. You're always looking to him. You're leaning on him with your entire personality all the time. Isn't it wonderful to have that said about your home? How wonderful that our home is so full of what God is doing. And then it says in verse 6, that is why I would remind you See, okay, so he must have been having a difficult time. Because <laughs> he says, I'm telling you, this is in your grandma, this is in you, in your mom, and this is in you, and I want to remind you. So that means Timothy was going through something. I want to remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of hands with those of the elders at your ordination. He said, there is stuff in you. And although it may be difficult right now, I want you to stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. You know, uh, we tease uh, Pastor Zane saying that he's a pot stirrer <laughs> because he knows how to stir things up in the office, you know, especially with certain people. All that he has to hear is a hint of something. And he's like, oh, oh, he's on it. He's stirring it up, stirring it up. But that's not the kind of stirring up we want to do. <laughs> we want to stir up what's in us. Stir up what God's doing. Stir up the testimony. Stir up the joy. Stir up the, the hope. Stir up those things. We want to stir it up and keep it stirred up. So that's number six. God want, does not want us to forget what he has done. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, he told them, I want you to make sure that you are telling your children. He says for, in uh, Deuteronomy 4, verse 7, for what great nation is there, uh, for what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him, and what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as there are in all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Do you know that that's why they put monuments all over the place? monuments so that they could look back and their kids would go why are, are those rocks stacked up there oh let me tell you the story 
Those were the rocks that we took out of the Jordan River. Those are the rocks that we piled up when God split it for us and we walked over. Those are the rocks. You know, sometimes we get tired of those stories. You know, uh, we just went and visited Brother Bierman. He has so many stories, and they're so beautiful. And I love hearing them. But you know, every visitor that comes, he tells the same stories. And so his family is like, they're cooking, they're doing things. They're like, we've heard this a million times. But they're so beautiful and how wonderful to have those stories to tell, right? Those are the monuments. Those are the things we want to make big. All right, so God showed himself strong and they remembered it. Um, number seven, your testimony is a weapon in defeating the enemy. Your testimony is a weapon. And we read this this morning. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Now, I have an example, and it's kind of a long one. It's David. When we go to David, what did David do? He stood before Saul, and he said, I can fight this giant. And he said, how do you think you can fight this giant? And he said, let me tell you, I killed the bear. I killed the lion. He started rehearsing what God had done. And as soon as he started saying that, Saul's heart heard it. And Saul's heart said, maybe you can defeat the giant. Maybe you can. It was that testimony that came forth with the anointing. And God said, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. You, he defeated the lion. He defeated the bear. He defeated all of those. And how did he do it? Because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. So now the spirit of the Lord was upon him to defeat the giant. But his testimony started it all. So I love that. Our testimony is recounting or retelling the story of how God moved in our life. But the anointing carries through. So number eight, God wants your testimony. God wants people to know that he is stronger in your life than every struggle that you have been through. Um, we all can become conscious of those things, but God wants to hear your testimony. He wants to hear it from your mouth, and he wants to hear you telling it. Acts 13, 15 says this. It says, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of worship of the synagogue sent to them saying, brethren, if you have any word of exhortation or consolation or encouragement for the people, say it. Say it. What is it? Is there an exhortation? Is there an encouragement? Is there something that you can share? And I'm going to end it with that. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you for that. I want to ask you if there's an encouragement, if there's an exhortation. So Nelson, come on up. And uh, Josh, come on up. And I have a, a microphone here so that people can hear you. <laughs> Praise God. You know, testimonies are going to become more and more part of what we're doing. And I really believe that we have to be ready with our testimony because in ministering to people today, your testimony is going to be more powerful uh, in their life than... Uh, you know, it's not that they're going to see dreams and visions of Jesus. You're, we're going to reach people with our testimonies. So it's very powerful. Go ahead, Nelson. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised that all of us didn't jump up at one time to praise the Lord for everything he's done for us. I mean, every day, 
I wake up and there's something happened to me that I had no control over, but the Lord was there and he made it happen. And uh, we, we need to, to uh, glorify him, praise him, um, everything we can, especially nowadays. I don't think a lot of people realize what days we're in. And um, we all need to uh, pray in accessory prayers. Um, we need to pray not only for each other, our families and friends in the church, but our country, our, our world, the whole world. And um, I sat there, I was, uh, I probably when you got on the second <clears throat> part of your question, I was ready to come up here. I was on fire. It's <laughs> getting warm. Good. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but I'll tell you a little quick story. Uh, I used to work for Toyota in Maryville, Indiana, and I was a greeter. You know what a greeter is? Walmart and that kind of thing. Well, I was retired, okay? I'll say that much, okay? But uh, I greeted people there into the uh, service department, and I found out that I had the best job in the world because people were coming in there to get their car fixed, and uh, they didn't have the money. Uh, their car was going to be repossessed as soon as the... Um, Manufacturing knew that it was their car. They were standing around waiting for that. A lot of people don't know that. but um, So anyway, um, the one lady was, uh, every time I'd walk by there, she had her head down. And I finally uh, realized that she was crying. That's why she had her head down. And so, you know, I'm back and forth. I'm making the coffee and a lot of, you know, Hard stuff to do, you know, and uh, mopping and whatever. And so anyway, I, I finally stopped and I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she looked up and, yeah, she had her rolling out of her eyes, her tears, big tears. And she said that, uh, she said she drove that, her, she drove her car to um, Toyota and um, was practically using her the bottom of her shoes to slow the car down because she had absolutely no brakes. And so she was, that's what she went there for, and she knew she was going to hear some bad news, and she did. And so um, she talked to the manager, and the manager told, told her what needed to be done, and a lot of us have done that before with our cars. We know that that's kind of a major item to do. So uh, the manager told her, and, uh, of course, that's why she was so upset. She was making phone calls trying to find out uh, where she's going to get this money. So um, I told her, uh, I says, well, I, you know, I says, let, let, we'll, we'll go back there and talk about it. Um, not, not meaning with her, just me and my boss, you know. And so we went back there, and uh, I said, this lady, she is really, really seriously crying, very upset. And um, <clears throat> I told my manager how much was, was the cost. I'm telling you right now, 
for everything that the Lord has done for me, I would have paid for those breaks ten times. And I still would. Um, so I told my manager that, uh, you know, just do the whole thing. And uh, so I told her, I says, we work something out. And we're going to take care of things. And, you know, don't be upset anymore. I think you have some good reasons to be happy right now. And mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I had to take customer home. That was another difficult part of my job was taking people home. <laughs> and uh, it was a retirement job. And so anyway, I took that customer home, and um, I came back, and I looked around the service area, waiting room. I didn't see that lady there. So I went back in a, um, in a, in a manager's office, and I, I said, Greg, what, uh, what happened? You know, I'm ready to take care of this, you know. He said, uh, you know, Mike and Ed over here, the mechan our mechanics in this area here, they did it for the lady. They gave her all of that work done, and they didn't charge anything for that lady. Wow. And uh, I guess that, that, you know, when you start thinking about things like this that happen, uh, and you don't glorify the Lord every day like we should. Um, it's pretty sad that we're not carrying our weight. But um, the lady left. Everything was fine. And I hugged the manager because uh, he, uh, he just got married and had a little little baby. And, uh, and I, I was kind of feeding him with the Lord and trying to get him going. And uh, the whole thing just worked beautifully. Started just with one person hurt, one person identifying, getting two, three more people involved, and doing something wonderful for someone that could have never afforded that before. I love that. So I just want to leave you with that story. Thank you. That's powerful. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> hey guys. Wow, it's scary being this side of the microphone. I was sitting back there and I was going, oh my gosh, <laughs> and like sat down. Anyway, so um, I have served on the mission field for seven years um, before I came to the US. It was a great time when we went through Congo, Uganda, Rwanda, all over Africa, basically. Um, and I'm just going to tell you one story, though I have plenty. Um, but when I first graduated from school, God told me, he said, I want you to go and serve on the mission field, and you're going to be the hands and feet of a ministry that I've called you to be with. Incidentally, it happens to be my parents' ministry, and I go out there as a volunteer, stay there for as long as I possibly could, um, as long as my parents would possibly allow me to volunteer for them. Eventually, they were like, okay, Josh, you need to go and do your own thing. But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> so, um, age 19, um, we're setting up for this crusade in the middle of the Congo. And um, talking of what you were just speaking of a second ago about those bulbs, I was one of those bulbs that had my head low. Mm. And I needed the people around me to support me, to keep me going, and to keep me up. And probably one of the most faith-building experiences of my life was um, 
every evening we'd have to start a generator. Most towns that we went to had no um, mains power, let alone like any kind of reasonable voltage in order to be able to sustain our system. Um, so every evening I would be the person to start the generator. Um, so this one town we went to, um, town was Butembu. Um, we went up. Now, um, I went into the container to start the generator, and I see this man, and he's standing there, and he's yelling at me, and he's going for it in Swahili, all kinds of things, being super, 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 like, just, I mean, you could tell instantly he was demon-possessed, and it was crazy. So I go back to my colleague, and I say, hey, Ben, there's a guy standing at the container. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And he goes, go and pray for him. And I'm like, I don't want to do that I'm 19. What's gonna happen? <laughs> so I um, so I go back there and I stand at the bottom of the steps. I look at him. I just under my breath say in the name of Jesus. Come down from the steps. I'm shivering. I'm scared. And he doesn't do anything. So I go back to Ben and I say, Ben, please, I beg you, come and help me get him down from the steps. You're a lot stronger than me. First of all, you're from here, and it would look a lot better from you taking him off of the steps than me taking him off of the steps. Anyway, so he goes, Josh, you're on the mission field. You're here to be, um, you're here to be built up and trained, and I'm going to show you that your faith can move a mountain, and this is your mountain that you're going to move. And I'm going, <laughs> Anyway, so I go out there a second time. I say, in the name of Jesus, come down from those steps. And the guy looks at me and just keeps on yelling. And I go back to him and I say, Ben, it didn't work. He goes, try again. <laughs> go back there, try again, and this time say it with a little bit of authority. So I go back up there, and he's standing at the top of the steps. There's a generator in the, um, there's a generator in the shipment container, and it's running. Uh, um, and like we're, we're meant to be starting music and have the system running in the next 15 or so minutes, and it takes us some time to get things going. And I go out to him and I say, in the name of Jesus, get down from those steps. And the guy, it was the most hilarious thing looking back at it. He stands up like a military person, salutes me, lets all of his guard down, walks down the steps, comes to the bottom of the steps, shakes my hand and says, I'm sorry. And I go, what? <laughs> what in wow. the world? But yeah, I was one of those people who I, my bulb, my little head was low. My faith was low, and my, my colleague and all the people who, who we were working with, they encouraged me, and they said, hey, go and use the authority that you have. It's in you. And I'm only 19 at this point. Anyway, however many years later, hey, here I am. <laughs> Praise God. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Don't you love hearing from uh, just people that in their everyday life how God is using them, how he's walking uh, and working through them. Okay, just one more. I'm going to make John. Oh, go ahead, Brittany. You have one too? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have you guys then share a testimony. Go ahead, Brittany, first. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, our oldest is not really my testimony. It's our oldest. But um, she is three, about to be four. And um, I think when she was like eight months, she was kind of diagnosed with tonsillitis. And we just... It was kind of the COVID time, and we just never really did anything about it. And recently, we went to uh, the dental hygienist, and they said, you know, she's gritting her teeth. She's actually grinding them so bad. That's a sign that she's not breathing fully at night. Like, you guys need to get them removed. And I was like, okay. 
Um, and I'd already planned a trip to Canada right before I found out about Jim Hockaday coming here. So anyways, I was kind of bummed. I was like, oh man, like that's what we needed. But um, anyways, we go to Canada and we're sitting, we watched the first service and it was just incredible. And then the second service, and that was amazing too. And then the night service, we're sitting there and Canada's freezing. It's like, <laughs> it's minus 30 that night. Like, so we're like, have it set up on an iPad in front of the fireplace. Cause we didn't even want to like watch it in front of the TV. We're like, my parents are there and they're just worshiping with Charlotte and they're just standing there and she's worshiping. And then he gets up to speak and he's, he calls people up for healing and she sees somebody she recognizes and she's three guys. And I'm thinking like, we needed to be there. And she all of a sudden looks at me while he's speaking and she goes, I got new tonsils. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I just like, I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I grabbed my flashlight and um, I started vi like video recording because that's how I always check her tonsils. And sure enough, like, she, and then she's like, actually, they're not new. They're just, they're just different. Like they're just changed or whatever. And so anyways, like glory to God, like it's just, that's childlike faith. We don't even need to be here and God's moving. Yeah. And like, yeah. we're in a different country and she's watching something, you know, God's using yeah. like everything that's happening here at this church and it's reaching even into Canada. And it's Amen. amazing. Yeah. I love that. You have to make sure Jim and Aaron know that testimony. Yeah. Okay. Cause uh, they're looking for testimonies just like that that's very powerful oh my goodness that's the faith of a child right to just say that's mine that's for me and then uh oh man I just love every part of that that's so good okay so I already know Jonathan's I wanted him to share this because uh it's even how God's using us where we go you know if we're just aware if we're listening to the Holy Spirit and he had this testimony that happened with your ankle with the guy oh, oh. yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, at, at staff meeting a few weeks ago, Pastor Mark, you know, after we kind of go through what we're doing, he gives us a little pep talk. Um, and then he usually says something like, be careful out there. I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, so he gave us a pep talk and in instructions, he just said, you know, you need to be, um, aware of what the spirit of God is telling you to do. And you should be asking him to bring people along your path every day that you can minister to. And that's a, I won't say you need to be careful with that prayer, but um, God will answer that prayer, and it will sometimes be inconvenient for you, because um, we find out, um, you know, just how many people are in need, and they'll come along your path, and if you're not aware, um, you will miss it, and what Jim Hockaday really talked about was what you're aware, what you're conscious of will be a reality for you, and so if you're conscious of what the Spirit of God is doing and the people he's bringing along your path, you will find yourself very occupied with the will of God. Um, so I was like, you know what, God, just bring people along my path. And I was in the I was in the gym uh, with Pastor Mark. We went in there, and there was like twenty people all crowding the machines that we wanted. So we're just kind of waiting, and it finally clears out, and there's one extra guy in there. We finish our set. And I wanted to tell him, like, hey, man, the gym is all yours. And he's like, thanks. And he keeps kind of, like, doing this with his foot. And, like, I would always do that with my foot. And, like, just because I had ankle surgery and God healed my foot completely um, at the meetings with Jim Hockaday. So I'm noticing his foot. And I go, what's what's up with your foot, man? 
And he goes, well, um, I just had surgery, and I ruptured my ATFL, which is the one that I ruptured along with everything else in my foot. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, tell me about it, man. And he's like, well, you know, I've been going to rehab, but it's, it's just been hurting. It's not healing like it should. I'm trying to get in the, I'm trying to do something here at this gym. And he's just talking to me. And so I'm like, you know, yeah, that's the same one that I had. And, um, man, I'm better now. Like, uh, you know, I, I had the surgery and everything. It didn't go super well, but like I, I got healed and I'd love to just pray over you. And, you know, nothing weird. Um, and I just said, you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? He's like, pray for my foot, pray for my hip, pray for my mind. Like, Whoa. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to start charging. I'm just kidding. Um, so, joke, joke. Um, I said, yeah, man, absolutely. So pray for his foot, pray for his hip, pray for his mind. And you could just see, like, the weight lifted. And then we just started talking um, about, you know, he's in re recovery, um, and he's been going to meetings, and he's, he's like, God's been really impressing me to get right with him. So he's, he took his daughter. They've been going to the Catholic Church. And, and that's the thing. You've got to be aware of this, too. Like, he's going to AA. He's going to the Catholic Church. I don't need to say a word about our church. It's like, you know, sometimes we have this agenda, get them in to what we're doing. And maybe that's a future step for some people, but like it was just so perfect. And it was a door, it was a seed that was planted. I got his name. I didn't get his phone number. He, he gave me his address, so I know where he lives, um, uh, which was funny. He just gave me his address. I'm like, cool. Um, so I know where he lives now, and I'm going to be checking in on him. But if you're not careful, like those things will pass you up. And it was funny because the next day, I was in the gym, and a, a guy was in there with a shoulder brace, and he was watching two boys, like they were his, it was his son and his son's friend, and they were really annoying me, um, and I had already kind of said something that really would have disqualified me from praying over that guy's shoulder, and, but it was funny because I was saying like, it, it will be inconvenient to your flesh, right. and so that's why it's so important to, know, to realize that you are a representation of Jesus, because I like botched my opportunity because I, I, I got mad at those two boys and I said, I was like, hey, like, I'm on this machine now. Like, you guys need to chill. Um, I guess I could have probably still worked, but like, I was just realizing like, man, like I had an opportunity and I let my flesh get the best of me and I ruined that opportunity. It, they'll happen like multiple times a day. Like if, if you're aware and if you're willing to let the spirit of God use you. So I'm encouraging all of you, pray that prayer and watch God bring those people. And don't care about the inconvenience factor. Because mm -hmm. God will show you and God, and God will give you the words. God will make it. Like that's the cool mm -hmm. thing about letting God bring people into your life. Those people are ready and those people are hungry. And I'm not to discourage going out and searching out the lost. But when you pray that prayer and allow God to bring them in, those are, those are people. That's like harvest that's ready. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to just get in line with what God's doing. So that was just a small testimony, and I'm sure we'll have more as people just begin to pray that. Yeah, yeah. that's powerful. So. That's so good. Thank you. Good. So that's what I was going to say. Um, you know, we need to make our own books of testimonies, of what God has done. But I love books like that, and this is one of them. And so it's just so funny that you said that, because one of the ones in here, and I, I was going to maybe read this one about how they... They needed some money to pay a bill for the church, and they found all the money under the floorboard. A pack rat had packed it, and it was the perfect amount of money. And so that was awesome. That was a cool testimony. But one of them in here, too, is 
uh, so he had all these kids, these neighborhood kids that were gathering on his porch and they were making so much noise. And he said, uh, scram, kids, get out of here. He used that word, scram. <laughs> get out of here. I'm trying to preach. There's a preacher getting ready for his Sunday sermon here. And he, then he, the Lord arrested him. And he was like, why am I treating these kids that way? I'm, I'm supposed to be ministering to people. And the Lord said, I want you to go get candy. Invite those kids to your porch and tell them about Jesus. And so he did, and he started doing it every single week, and he had his regular church service, and then he had this service for the kids. And then in him doing that and telling people about it, people started doing it in all these other towns. And so I just thought, that was a really wonderful testimony. So anyway, gather books of testimonies and write your own. Amen? All right, well, that's it for tonight. Uh, we need to go get our kids, so let's pray uh, and... Uh, uh, just solidify what we've heard. Father, we just thank you so much for ministering to us tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. It's powerful. It's for us. We pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to work this word in us as we go and that he will help us, Father, to have many, many more testimonies because we're following and listening to the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for that, Lord. Continue to minister to us all of this week. Amen. All right, we'll say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen.